This podcast is proudly part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcast Network. If you'd like to check out more Kaiju and Tokusatsu goodness, go to kaijuramenmedia.com. Him. Shin! Standing by. Complete. Greetings, heroes of the internet. I'm Travis. And I'm Nathan. And we are the Henshin Men, a podcast that celebrates Japanese superheroes and their high-flying and high-kicking adventures. In this installment, we will be discussing Kamen Rider episodes 58 and 59. The monstrous bearded dragon man, deathmatch in Fear Valley, Kaijin Doku Tokage, Osoradani no Keto. Shocker dispatches the nefarious bearded dragon man to sneakily acquire the X Alpha formula by kidnapping a scientist's assistant and holding her for ransom. Hey, Travis, you bet Jurass this was fun. <laughs> Ah, uh, ah! Uh, I don't get it. Ah, uh, giraffe. I don't get it. The Ultraman monster with the frill. Giraffe. Because it's a bearded dragon. Giraffe. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. I I get the joke. I'm just. Yeah. Just... <laughs> yeah. You're killing my fuzzy bear Buzz, and that was already <laughs> supposed to be a Buzz kill to begin with. <laughs> yeah 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 but just to draw some parallels yeah i actually when this thing when this kaijin showed up on screen i wrote in my notes giraffe <laughs> yeah he, he has the frill like it now he has a frill but bearded dragons don't have frills no, if that's what they're called bearded dragons. It's like it's not it's not a frill. They have a stuff under their chin, right? Like they have skin right. under their chin. That's why they're called bearded dragons. Did did they mean a frilled lizard? Was he from Australia? Uh, well, it would have been funny if he had an Aussie accent. Is he a clever boy? <laughs> an, an Aussie accent in Japanese. That would have been hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> Tamarigato! <laughs> She's a big one, she is! <laughs> Let me tell you about my friend Mod Max. My That's Aussie accent is terrible. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of getting into Cockney a little bit. <laughs> it, it kind of veers that way anyway, because Australians Australian does sound a bit like certain dialects of British uh, uh, in Britain, but that's partly because it was Australia was originally a British penal colony. So there's overlap. <laughs> I gotta say, I I'm becoming more and more uncomfortable with how this show uses animals. <laughs> I would have thought you would have been cool with this one because the, because now they're trying to revive one of the dogs they've been killing. 
<laughs> yeah, bring them. And it's back. a Dalmatian to it's a Dalmatian to boot. That they must have found that poor thing, uh, that poor thing, uh, dead in Corella Deville's mansion, and now they're like, oh, we got to save this poor thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just look. I'm just saying. I don't know how well these animals were being treated behind the scenes and the scenarios that these animals are getting put in for a 1970s show. I'm just a little uncomfortable. (laughs) Uh, I still think the crow probably had it worse. Oh yeah. The crow from the few episodes ago. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I'm surprised I should have said like, if you need a new band name, exploding crows. I don't know. The rabbit that they flinged across the room still kind of gets me. (laughs) Flinging rabbit. That sounds like a good band name, too. Flinging rabbits. Let's talk about the plan that Shocker has this week in this episode. Where for once they they actually say the quiet part out loud and think, you know what? We need to be sneaky. So... Okay, they find out that a scientist has developed a miracle fluid that can raise the dead. Imagine (laughs) all of the things they could do with that. They could raise up an army of zombies to fight for for Shocker. (laughs) Zombie bunnies, even. But they that is not what they want to use this formula for. Uh, all those all those dogs and cats and virgins that the, whose blood they drained. I mean, <laughs> exactly. All the kaijin that they that they uh, lost and has been exploded up. Oh, they point. don't need it for the kaijin. They bring kaijin back you know, every couple of months at this point. True, true. But but so so they have this 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 formula that can raise the dead. Like that is there is so much potential, so much potential evil you could do with that. But the plan that they have for it is we want to use it to revive two dead scientists so the scientists can build weapons and cyborgs for us. Yeah, and that's brought up once, and they're British scientists to boot. It's brought up once, and then we never talk about it again. Because it's a bad plan. (laughs) Yeah, I was just like, there's so much more application for this. Not to mention the medical applications you could get from this. I mean, you're talking about... I, I. I don't know lotion that raises the dead. I mean, that's going to revolutionize everything. (laughs) Imagine, imagine ambassador hell from this episode being like, like, uh, um, the, the villain from Thor, the dark world. No, not Thor, the dark world, Thor Ragnarok. Where? Oh, uh, Hela. Hela. Yeah. Yeah, Ambassador Hella. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> that was good. That was and good. raising an undead army to fight, like common writer. Like, there's so many things they could have done, but nope, nope. We're just gonna we're gonna use it to revive the scientists, and those scientists they can build us an army of cyborgs. <laughs> 
I, I just, I don't understand. Yeah, maybe there's only, maybe there isn't enough of the, it's called X Alpha, which I'm sure somebody in the writer's room, which is, it was just came up with that. And they're like, that sounds cool enough. Use it. <laughs> uh, I just was like, oh, I was like ripping my hair out from the plan when they described it. Cause I was like, I don't know wh- why, why is this the plan? <laughs> we've long established we've long established on this show that there are reasons shocker doesn't rule the world look just shocker needs to hire me as a consultant just just for like a weekend (laughs) i'm afraid if shocker hired us as consultants they might actually succeed Because, because that well and you wouldn't do it anyway because you'd feel bad because you would get your hero killed true true also you know, all unless this dogs. is like mirror universe, Earth. unless this is like mirror universe, Travis, who's actually <laughs> evil. Maybe I need to grow a goatee. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you try. So, <laughs> yes, I have. I mean, I have grown a goatee in the past. I uh, didn't keep it for very long, but I have. Um, so. <laughs> they the shocker goes to steal well the uh, bearded dragon man goes to steal this formula is it bearded and, dragon man or just bearded dragon because they switch i don't know i'm gonna call him bearded dragon man and uh and he attacks imagine the bearded dragon men <laughs> so bearded dragon man attacks the the scientist's uh assistant to get the formula and there is something that happens in this scene that become or in this moment that becomes like just one of the most horrifying things to me uh, from these two episodes. And it didn't make my awards, but it, I do want to talk about it. We get some more dissolving effects. Yeah, we um, talk about it before. It's a trademark of the show. Yes, exactly. Uh, Bearded Dragon Man spits out a red liquid. But what happens in this episode is what's so horrifying because the man the 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 assistant is reaching for the the suitcase that has all the formula and stuff in it to self-destruct it and get rid of it but meanwhile his legs a lot of are suitcases dis- this week <laughs> there is there is a lot of suitcases this week but while he's reaching for that suitcase his legs are dissolving away that's true oh and i was like whoa (laughs) Uh, i mean it's kind of like i know this might be a weird comparison but this is just fresh in my mind the next episode i record for the monster island film vault my main podcast is the blob the, Mm -hmm. the 58 version they talk about how what that thing does is it dissolves people on contact. And so every time we see it cover people and it's just the actors selling that, what that, what it's doing, we're not, not right. actually seeing it, but it's still horrifying to think about that. It's literally dissolving and suffocating its victims. God. Yeah. I mean, it's Cronenberg. It's Cronenberg's the fly. You know, like it is, it's such a horrific thing for this kid's show. <laughs> we mention it all the time, but it's a kid's show. For the kids. 
Or as our friend Kaiju Kim would say, for the children. For the children. <laughs> okay. What is with Japanese media? I'm going to say it again. What is with Japanese media and having grown adults with substantially younger siblings? Like grade school and middle school age siblings. It's a little nutty after a while because I see it over and over. <laughs> it's in Godzilla films. It's in other kaiju films. It's been on this show. It's been on other tokusatsu shows. I'm just, is this a thing in Japan? Do parents like wait 15 years before, ha before having another kid? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if there's a cultural thing there or if it's just a trope that exists. But I, yeah, it does show I, up. I a would lot. love to know. I would love to know. Please, someone tell me if that is a thing. August, if you're listening, please tell me. <laughs> <laughs> I do love that Shocker is back to using just regular vehicles. Except this one's souped up. It's kind of like, actually, you want to know something? I wrote in my notes, actually, a couple of times. I've seen this James Bond movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a couple of yeah. James Bondian moments. The car is one of them. Because at first, it just looks like a regular car. Then you find out, oh, wait, it has some Shocker branding in it. And it's got Shocker gadgets. Yeah, it's got Shocker gadgets. But on the outside, it just looks like a normal car. So when Shocker is going to kidnap the other uh, a female assistant of the scientist to use as a hostage to make the scientist give them the formula there there it's it's bearded dragon man and this woman and all the shocker goons in their in their costumes just piling into just what looks like an average car <laughs> and i just love that visual every time it happens what would be the funniest car for the shocker goons and the kaijin of the week to just pile into a Volkswagen Beetle. <laughs> oh, you went with the obvious choice. Yeah, they. All, so you, you really think it'd just be funny if they they just yeah they just all pile into a Beetle. <laughs> yeah, uh, or or a Volkswagen bus. A Vol Volkswagen bus would be hilarious, <laughs> especially if they steal it from hippies. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> oh man although but, the, the the bus would actually make more practical sense more space yep i okay the shocker commander i think he has a he has his own memory hole i think because he has a line in here i didn't use it as a line for the award i just wrote it down because like really dude because he tells he, he tells ambassador hell and beater dragon man and the goons you realize that failure means death, do you not? And I just wrote, no, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it doesn't. They fail Because the if time. that was the case, because if that was the case, they'd all be dead right now. You'd be going through generals like a fat man goes through cake. Okay. I just. <laughs> As a fat man, I take offense to that. I don't even like cake. <laughs> <laughs> I almost said cookies. Would cookies have been a better choice for you? <laughs> for me, yes. Oh, I can tear some cookies up. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Like, you know, like a fat man through cookies. He'd be going through his generals. Oh, it's just like, it's just a good, it's just, 
you know, a tried a true villain line where they have to say that, but you know, it's just like, right. He really meant it. <laughs> exactly. And I, I, cause I would have been one of those shocker crews where I went right. Eh, he doesn't really mean it. Eh, eh. <laughs> <laughs> eh, I failed five times and somehow Kamen Rider hasn't killed me. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> I but we all look the same eh. <laughs> I love that we bring back an element that was in an earlier episode but hasn't been in an episode in a while I can't remember when what episode it, it last appeared in but it's the big saw blade that's gonna cut the, <laughs> the hostage in half yeah, yeah. that was that, that was another one of the James Bond moments <laughs> that I wrote down. The right. descending buzzsaw, which actually sounds like a weirdly, like that sounds like a very literary short story, descending buzzsaw. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, they have this, this woman strapped to the table. They have the buzzsaw. They're going to drop it on her. But they also, and this was smart, like as much as I made fun of Shocker's plan earlier they did they did do something smart here which was they knew that they knew that common rider was going to come and rescue her so they rigged the switch that can power that powers the buzzsaw to explosives so when he goes to turn it off the whole room explodes which is really mm -hmm. really smart mm -hmm. what's not mm -hmm. smart is telling him <laughs> He's telling. Well, he's talking about it very loudly in front of your hostage. <laughs> so that she can warn Common Rider when he comes in. Yeah. Now, that leads to a clever solution. I like the idea that it, and they have to fix it by doing a combination of bomb diffusion and Common Rider using his super strength to hold the buzzsaw. I like that yeah. part. That was great. And you can see like like they really the actors really sell it too when he's holding mm -hmm. the buzzsaw. Like he's like he, you can see like it looks like he's putting effort into it. So he's having to hold the buzzsaw back with his mm -hmm. super strength. And mm -hmm. I just think yeah, that was a really cool moment. So yeah, so that was great. It's just that Ambassador Hell has a big, big mouth. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm like, congratulations. You <laughs> You did. You could have won if you just shut your big yapper. <laughs> <laughs> only, only those of a certain age will get that reference. <laughs> Which is, although he, I guess, I guess Ambassador Hell does have a built-in excuse because just before that scene, he and this almost made it to the awards for me. He says that common writer has the devil's own luck. Oh, that's in the awards for me. Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. Sorry, but yeah. You know, well, you know another thing I liked related to this scene? Shocker was co conveniently broadcasting this week's episode of Common Writer for us. Yes. Shocker. Now on television. Uh, that ties into an award that I have later on. Okay. So yeah, we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit more later. Yep. And then we get more crucifixions because that's what this show does. Of course. This time it's talky. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Now we we talked about last week the that they're doing these kind of more experimental, more interesting camera work in in these mm -hmm. episodes to kind of keep it interesting. There's a scene in that in that final you know battle on the in the shipyard where 
they they're actually filming the fight between Common Rider and Bearded Dragon Man, but through a grate. Like so, there's so the yeah. grate. Yeah, so the grate is in the foreground and there in the background that's just filming through it. And I thought that was such an interesting shot. And I wanted to point that out because we had already talked about last week all these interesting camera shots. And I thought that mm-hmm. was a really good one. Yeah. Yeah, there were several that were like that. They're they're not getting quite as wild, artsy weirdo like those first thirteen episodes. There are times I kind of miss those, to be honest. You know? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I'll never forget the uh, I'll never forget the artsy murder montage. The artsy nice. murder montage. <laughs> the David Lynchian murder montage. <laughs> Especially the murder uh, the murder dance. Yeah. Yeah. I, the murder dance. <laughs> uh, or the uh, the shot from like the second episode where dance. the camera literally flips upside down and then flips right side up while common writers fighting shocker goons. Yeah. I'm just thinking of I'm just thinking of the safety dance, but it's it's the murder dance. <laughs> the murder dance. dance. We can do this the murder dance. <laughs> oh my god. Murder this... dance. Uh the only other song references are going to abound as usual. Welcome to Henshin Men, folks. The only other note I have left is Ryder Head Crusher, which is just a pile driver. August Ragone told us about the uh, August Ragone told us about the pro wrestler pro wrestling influence on the show they made it pretty obvious here it's like it's a pile driver okay yeah <laughs> yeah now one thing that that bearded dragon man had in his arsenal but didn't use a whole bunch until like the mostly at the end which was he has this long tongue that just like jump you know like spits out of his mouth and then Writer, common writer, writer kicks his tongue. <laughs> I'm just thinking of Hellboy. Second date, no tongue. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was such a wacky, wild scene where he's like, you know, that if if I if I uh, get you know get rid of his tongue, then he'll will be on an even playing field or something, however he worded it. And so he just, It'll just be a regular kicks. opponent. Oh yeah. And he just rider kicks his tongue. I was like, ouch. That can't have <laughs> felt good. That can't have <laughs> felt good. Uh, but like I said, uh, but like I said in the, in the synopsis, uh, he really had him licked. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Although that that is a theme, I'm. That's not just with these episodes. I'm just detecting it now. Common writer's got some serious gamma syndrome going on now because he loses the first fight and wins the second. Yeah, and that actually ties into something I was going to highlight too. Um, we get Hongo as broody hongo again like like i mean he's he's always been a little bit more broody than hayato but since coming back he hasn't been as broody as what he was in those first 13 episodes but in this one he kind of goes back to being a little broody yes he does yes he does but yeah like i said it's not just these episodes though it's been going on for a few episodes it used to be that because you're basically guaranteed two fights an episode in Common Rider. 
you know, mm-hmm. one right before the for commercial break and then one at the end of the episode. But instead of just having the Kaijin run away, retreat, they actually win. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes they think Common Rider is dead, but then it turns out he's not, obviously. And, and then Hongo's like, well, I lost the first time. <laughs> yeah. Now what do I do? Yeah. And uh, and pops uh, <laughs> Tachibana trying to cheer him up. Um, that was that was a really great scene. Like I said, it harkens back to kind of those those uh, first thirteen episodes, especially the episode where he was fighting against uh, Lizardon and uh, or Lizardlon and and uh, Lizardlon. Yeah, and Tachibana has to kind of um, give him you know some inspirational speech uh, speeches to keep him going because yeah you know, he was he was kind of on a downward spiral and, and you get, get a little bit of that in this episode, not as much, but a little bit. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So with that, I think it, uh, it's a good time to transition. The monstrous worm man of the bottomless swamp. Sokonashi Numa no Kaijin Mimizu Otoko! The diabolical worm man is sent by Shocker to steal the powerful nuclear fuel Cobalt 120, only for it to get mixed up with contraband bought by a pair of unscrupulous salarymen. Shocker captures one of them to force Hongo and Team Rider to give them the fuel. Now Kamen Rider must rescue the prisoner and keep the Cobalt 120 out of the villain's hands. There is a lot that happens in this episode. <laughs> yes. First off, I didn't expect this to, tr- I didn't expect a salaryman comedy to suddenly pop up in the middle of this. They have been doing this lately in these episodes, like every so often in these episodes where they suddenly will bring in a couple of side characters that only appear for one episode and their comic relief. Cause we got that with the cockroach man episode and we also got uh-huh. it with Slugzilla. Yeah, but this one, but this one is very distinctly. Even though I admit I haven't really watched a lot of it, but this is very salaryman comedy, which is a that was a genre of film that was popular, mostly in the '60s. I think it's popular in Japan, and it would basically be like. I guess to give a modern equivalent to it, it would be like, say, Office Space or mm-hmm. The Office, something along mm-hmm. those lines, where it's basically comedies about the the perils of being a white collar worker. I mean, it's still a it's still a thing in Japanese media. They still have that. It just leans more. It's more updated for for like your mm-hmm. modern office workers. I mean, a Gretzico. <laughs> a Gretzico yes, is that is a, true. Is a workplace comedy with cute animals from from uh Sanrio. So yeah. it's like hey. this is true. This is true. This is true. But the uh, but the, the they were leaning into the those tropes there because the idea here is that these are these two salarymen who they don't think they're getting paid enough, so they decide to do a. They basically we don't know how or where or what, but they get a suitcase full of jewels, stolen jewels, and mm-hmm. they think they're going to get rich off of it, and they don't have mm-hmm. to work the office job anymore, basically. And 
like I said, that's barely set up. They spend a lot of time setting up what Shocker's doing and actually one of the coolest scenes in the episode. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned in the last part you know, earlier uh, when we were talking about the first episode that it, there were points in that that felt very James Bond, uh, especially like with the with the car and the gadgets and stuff. This felt very James Bond to me or, or almost oh, more Mission Impossible. Oh my gosh. Yeah, kinda. I was just like, "Wow, they're cla-. I'm like, who are these guys? They're classing it up here." Yeah, I don't know yeah. why they're classing it up, but they're classing it up, and I like it. I, I'm like, like I, I'm like, I want that one. I want that one guy's white suit because it was glorious. Oh man, <laughs> that white suit was so glorious. It was just, it was great. And and how they have how and, and they the sunglasses. He had the sunglasses, and and then we see. We see, we don't know it at first, but we get to see for the first time in a very, very long time, unmasked shocker goons, no makeup or anything either, like the early shocker goons. So then they, they come in wearing black suits with what look, I think they're white ties or are they silver ties or something? They look Mm -hmm. snazzy too, because it was like black suit coat, black shirt, white ties. So they really pop and I'm just mm-hmm. like, man, we're classing it up here. <laughs> yeah. And like I said, it, it feels very like mission impossible because like how they can tell that they're, you know, part of the same team, but they're, they're, they're meeting the right person. Although, I mean, it's the only other person that's at the wharf dressed up <sighs> the nines, but okay, whatever. Um, but they have the, these, the, these, two puzzle piece things that when you put them together, they make the, the shocker logo. And that's how they, can I know that they're actually, meeting and it the clicks together. They, they click together like puzzle pieces. Yeah. And it's I thought like, that was cool. It was I was like, I want more of this. Can we have a whole yeah. show like this? Yeah. Just, I would just, totally watch it. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it was so cool. Like I said, it, it was like a mission impossible episode in the middle of your, you know, common yeah. writer slash also. Yeah. So there's that whole, man. so there's, <laughs> yeah, there's that whole thing going on. And then we cut to the salarymen with their suitcase. Again, suitcases are a thing this week. Suitcase. There's a couple of themes that we have this week. Suitcases is one of them. And so they have their suitcase full of jewels and then they I'm trying to remember exactly how it goes now, but basically the suitcases get mixed up. Well, it's because and, they're they're driving down the so these two guys these two the, our comedy relief this week are driving down and then the shocker goons yeah, it's you know, like cut Sabu and uh, Nagami. I couldn't I didn't pay attention to their names, but yeah, the the shocker goons cut them off. So then they get out and they kind of tussle with the shocker goons and the briefcases get <laughs> mixed up. Yeah, I think they even tried to smack one of them with the suitcase, which was yeah. funny. Yeah. And so <laughs> so they get the briefcase that has the, the Cobalt 120 in it, which... Yeah, which you know is twice as good as Cobalt 60, which is a real element. I actually looked it up. It is a yeah. real element, and it's only produced in nuclear reactors. Yeah, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I know. It, it, yeah, it's a real element. Um but when the when the two idiots open the briefcase and they see the cobalt one twenty sitting there, they're like, <laughs> "A chocolate bar?" Yeah, I know. What? 
I mean, so it's a good setup. I like it. It's just that the sal- that the Mission Impossible followed by salaryman comedy sequence just kind of comes in and takes over the show for about five minutes. Mm-hmm. And it really sticks out because I'm like, this became one whole other show for a few minutes. And then it turned into a whole other show for another five. Like it turned into a sitcom basically for a couple of minutes. <laughs> And then yeah. the Mission Impossible spy show and the sitcom crash together. And then suddenly, and then suddenly the show remembered, Hey, wait, we're common writer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And speaking of which the Kaijin for this week is worm man. And I like this design. I think that it's a, again another asymmetrical design, which I which I've been yeah. really enjoying the yeah, okay, yeah, the, uh, with the hand. Yeah, Are you sure he's well, not, not worm just... guy. Worm guy. Yeah, he's worm guy, right? Yeah, yeah. Only the most hardcore of Godzilla fans will get that reference. <laughs> but not just the hand, though, is what makes him asymmetrical. It's also in his design. On one side of his body is like ripped open. And the and there's worms kind of spilling out, looking almost like his entrails oh. are hanging out from his, the side of his body. And I thought that was a really cool design. I was like, man, that's gross, but cool. <laughs> yeah. And they also give him a distinctly Japanese origin because they call it out. They say he was made from, I, they mention it, but I can't, I didn't write it down. But at this, a species of worm that was the only creature that survived the nuclear test on the bikini atoll mm-hmm. yes which for those of you who don't know that was castle bravo yes the nuclear test and that was momentous on multiple uh, for multiple reasons not just historically but also in terms of japanese cinema because that was the nuclear test that eventually led to godzilla yep uh, I so there is a godzilla say- connection here I thought you were going to say that's the that's the the origin of SpongeBob. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I mean, he lives in Bikini Bottom. This this is true. I've never <laughs> seen a, a a minute of SpongeBob. I just know the memes. So. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. I do know Bikini. I do know about Bikini Bottom because that's part of the memes. Anyway. But but yes, you are right. That that, that is that is the the those events, the the real life events, is what inspired the creation of Godzilla and and the film, you know, the film Godzilla. So yeah, it's it's very very interesting how this all ties back to that. Um, I thought it was I thought it was kind of scary and very interesting that they want to build Shocker wants to build a massive atomic bomb and set off this huge atomic explosion over Japan. Like that's just that's just scary. Yeah, that that it, well, and that's a that's particularly nightmarish for Japan, given that they're the only country that's experienced nuclear bombing firsthand. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, it's scary regardless, but it's very scary for the Japanese. Although it, it, I know Worm Man in that first scene, because of course we're going to introduce Worm Man with a couple of fishermen. <laughs> yeah. I know he's saying that it was because they the fishermen accidentally found an, a, a shocker base at the bottom of that lake. And I'm like, you guys need to work 
on your base hiding skills if a pair of random fishermen can just accidentally stumble across it. But that's why, in my, uh, I, even though he says, I'm killing you because you found our base, we all know the real reason. Why is that? Because they found the base. No, that's a cover story. Worm Man is, a, is avenging a couple of his brethren against the fishermen. <laughs> well, I don't know. Because Worm Man seems very willy-nilly about throwing worms and having them wrap around Common Rider's throat and choking him out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they're his little minion friends. They have a practical use. If he's like, if they're like, you're feeding them to fish. No. How dare you murder my friends? Feed them to the fish, will you? I'll feed you to the fish. <laughs> <laughs> There's another. That should have been a line. That should have been what he said. I wish he had said that. It's like, I'm feeding you to the fishes. There's another thing while we're while we're talking about lines I wish were in the episode, which makes no sense because this the reference is decades after this show came out. But there's a scene in here where Worm Man is trying to to see uh, one of the salarymen, the not salarymen, salarymen, um, salary. Yes, salarymen are very different. But he's trying to find. You have to him watch or, Veggie Tales to see those. But Worm Man's trying to find him, and his eyes start glowing, and his eyes are like peering through the building and finding where the salary man is hiding. And all I was thinking was, "What do your worm eyes tell you?" <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. Uh, well, speaking of uh, of. Uh... Worm man. Hongo has a uh, has this bright idea. Thankfully, it only lasts about 10 seconds where he honestly thinks he's going to fight the Kaijin unhensioned. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, Hongo, I know you're Hongo. But no. <laughs> but no. <laughs> <laughs> That's not going to work. But he figures it out very quickly and then he and, and just transforms. And now I think we're actually seeing his mouth move. I think mm, he's not no. ventriloquisting the, his lines anymore. No, he still is. He still is. Well, the thing is, I think that the Fujioka on the on set is only saying the words Henshin or well, the word, the one word Henshin, um, how Hayato did, you know, Henshin mm -hmm. or Henshin. But mm -hmm. they mm -hmm. are dubbing it over with him saying, Ryder Hinchin. And uh -huh. so that's what the discrepancy is there is because they're dubbing it over with two words instead of one word. Ah. And he's only saying one word on set. So it's it just looks ah, weird. That would make sense. That would make sense. And you know, another trope I started to notice with these recent episodes, and they're not unique to these episodes. The Supreme Commander knows everything. He always knows when Common Rider survives. <laughs> or when someone else is not dead. I was just like, how do you know these things? And if you know these things, why do you need them to carry out your tasks? Yeah. <laughs> so, I was just like, I know eventually, I know eventually. 
because I've read ahead a little bit. I know eventually he's going to say, fine, I'll do it myself, but. <laughs> well, I just, I just love it because in last, in the last episode that we, that we covered earlier in this, this episode of the podcast, um, he knew he was like, common writer isn't dead yet. Go kill him. And then in this one, Again, he's like, you know, their ambassador hell and the Kaijin are like, yeah, you know, we killed Common Rider and and great leader says, no, Common Rider is not dead. It's like he just knows. He just knows when Common Rider is dead or not. It's really cool. It's really funny. <laughs> His writer sense keeps tingling. <laughs> His writer sense is tingling. I want to ask you, speaking of writer sense, what did you think of common writers new power that he used in this episode <laughs> which i'm pretty sure he's used before i i think he has but he used it in a way that was different yeah uh, right up power because he figures out that electricity kills the worms the strangling worms there's another bad name for you strangling worms <laughs> It takes him a long time to figure it out, too, by the way. Yeah, like, it does. It takes you that long to figure out that you flipped a switch and that's what happened. Like, that's what saved you. Like, you, you couldn't have figured that out earlier. <laughs> yeah, go figure. But so he figures it out. And then we and then I'm like, does he need to backflip to make it work? Is this technically a necessary backflip? Look, it's it's theatrics. Don't argue with Common Rider and his theatrics. They look cool. That's all that matters. I know. I just like sometimes I just like pointing it out to be funny. I'm not complaining. I'm not saying it shouldn't be there. I'm just like, really? I, but yeah, but yeah. It's interesting. But I'm like, why don't you use this more often? You can electrocute things with a touch. I mean, we see who was it? No, it wasn't Hongo. Wasn't it Hayato who yeah, it electrified Hayato. the lake to kill a kaijin? Yeah. yeah, yeah, and and he like absorbs electricity uh, from uh, one of the kaijin at one point and, and like uses it against him. So yeah, it's it's they've done stuff like this before, but I just think it's funny that he just he flips a switch on his belt. And speaking of rider sense, it kind of looks like Spider Man having a spider sense because it's just a zoom in on his helmet. And his helmet is flashing lights. It's really cool looking and electricity just like going off, you know, of course, painted background, but just flashing in the background of his helmet. And I just think that's it is a really cool scene. I, It is. I want I want writer sense to be a thing. <laughs> oh, there's writer there's sense. writer Tinkling. sense. There is writer sense, and we will talk about it when we cover future common writer series because there is definitely a writer oh, no. sense that appears in future series. <laughs> oh no! So much Spider Man gets into common writer. I'm just saying. <laughs> it does. It does. It's almost like there was a Japanese version of Spider Man that was really popular <laughs> around the same time. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. This is true. This is true. But speaking of things that just happen by magic we get one of the token creepy kaijin scenes they've toned down the disco lighting which i kind of miss but this time he freaks out the other salaryman and just magically makes a poison pill appear in his hand and then the guy and then he tells him well, go find the the macguffin for me and if 
talk here. Hongo, try to interfere. Make them take this poison pill. I'm like, did you think this plan through? Right. <laughs> <laughs> How is he supposed to make them take a pill? Well, also, you only gave him one, and it just appears in his hand. But okay, why not give him two if you have two targets? Right. I mean, was yeah. he going to break it open and put it in their drink? I mean, what? how does this work? And this guy is such a wimp that he can't even do it. He just rats him out as soon as he walks into the writing club. And I'm just, guys, did you really think this was going to work? Right. Yeah. Someone thought. This was a good idea, not realizing that these guys are wimps. The the one last the one last thing that I want to mention, and it's another trope of the show that we've talked about on the on the podcast before. But as soon as Worm Man is defeated and he explodes, the base, the underwater base that they were that they were in, just explodes for for no reason. <laughs> Like they, Kamen Rider never even went to this base. Like you never even see him in this base. It just, it just explodes for no reason at all. <laughs> Maybe the Supreme Commander's like, well, there's another Kaijin dead. Doot! And he just hits a button. Yeah. Self destruct. <laughs> but wait, we still had goons in there. So, oh, 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 well. <laughs> oh, well, I, I have plenty of those. <laughs> I bought plenty of those action figures, so don't worry. Also, more crucifixions, except this time it's the salarymen, because we love our crucifixions on this show, and shocker. Yeah, and with that, I think we can move on to the awards for this week. Yes, yeah, starting with the henshin kick, which goes to the best stunt or fight scene, and I should backtrack a little bit and say these are fun little awards we give out to particular aspects of the TV episodes or movie that we are covering this week on Henshin Men. So what did you have for the Henshin Kick Award, Mr. Alexander? Well, I think you and I have the same one, which is the first fight. Well, uh, just as a side note, all of my awards come from the same episode. I did not pick any awards oh, okay. from the second episode that we covered this week. Uh, not that I didn't enjoy it, but just every award comes from the first episode we covered. That's interesting because I that's interesting because I think I liked the second episode more. But it was fun. It was fun. I, I, I we'll talk about it in my closing arguments, but or my closing thoughts. But but yeah. Uh, but just my all of my awards I picked from the first one for some reason. I don't. It was just by accident. Um, but I think we have the mm -hmm. same award, which mm -hmm. is the rope bridge fight. We didn't talk about it mm -hmm. when we were covering the episode, but there, the first fight that the common writer has, like you said, when, when he has that moment of, you know, defeat and then has to come back and fight again, it takes place on a rope bridge, which I think is a really cool, like shot and really cool action mm -hmm. scene to, to fight the goons and the Kaijin on this rope bridge. Mm -hmm. The only problem is it ends too quick. <laughs> it goes by really fast. I wish it, it I wish it had lasted longer, but I also, uh, I also nominated it because I'm like, I was looking at that and I was thinking that looks genuinely dangerous. It does. <laughs> it does. And, and, it, and it, the climax of the fight is common rider hanging on to the bridge and there, and yes, it does cut away to a, a little 
action figure model of Kamen Rider holding the bridge. But before that, there is a scene of Fujioka in the Kamen Rider suit holding on to the rope bridge. And I'm like, that looks like he is going to fall. And I am scared for Fujioka's health and safety. (laughs) (laughs) Super villain Osha is not going to be happy. I'm just saying. (laughs) All right. And next up we have Takatoku for the best special effect. What'd you have? So there's a scene in that first episode where bearded dragon man has a human form like a lot of the kaijin you know from shocker he has a human form and so he appears as an old man staring through the window into the scientist's lab which is creepy and scary enough and he's kind of you know lit from underneath but then the lighting disappears and then comes back and it's you know it's real quick so it doesn't even feel like it was cut like i didn't see an edit point in that shot i think it was actually done physically on set they just did a quick change of when the light comes back up of of uh of bearded dragon man standing there and i was like that's really cool because like i said it didn't look like an actual cut scene it looks like they actually did a quick change on the set mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah that was a pretty good shot i have to say along similar lines mine is the bearded dragon man suit i know you really like the worm man suit i really like the bearded dragon man suit it lo- it was elaborate again like we talked about with august ragone we're at a point in the show where the suits are getting more elaborate they're throwing more money at this the production values are are, are higher now and this was a pretty elaborate suit I have to say, I mean, there are reasons why we were comparing it to, so you know, some '60s ultra kaiju because it's starting to look like it a bit more. Yeah, yeah, and, and it is asymmetrical, just like I've been saying. A lot of these kaijin are asymmetrical. The the hood and or the frills and stuff are not asymmetrical, but if you look at the pattern on his suit, it actually isn't a symmetrical pattern. It's, it's one side is a little bit different than the other. It actually uh, makes a, a nice, de- a nice design and pattern across his chest. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And next up we have coming at you for the best line. What'd you have? Well, we did, we did. Uh, we almost mentioned it in the episode uh, or earlier when we were talking about it, but uh, ambassador hell mentions uh he says that writer he has the devil's own luck and i was just like yeah that's such a funny line to say about your your you know whatever your enemy (laughs) the hero that is fighting you which is funny because i guess when you mean the devil you mean yourself because you gave your plan away to the hostage who then passed it along to the hero just <laughs> saying shocker you you really need to consult with travis and i within you talk with us within a week you rule the world just saying yep all right what what was your award i i i gave it to a line it was from actually no nogami it was one of the salarymen and i put it in because the whole scene is just it borders on breaking the fourth wall 
borders on it, walks right up to the fourth wall, almost breaks it, kind of leans against it a little bit, smushes its nose against it to you know peer at the audience. It's when the salarymen meet meet Worm Man with the two goons in the really nice suit and ties, and they're going to exchange the suitcases. And one of them says, what is this? A masquerade ball? And then they start walking around talking about how everyone's wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> and they start poking. I was like, oh, come on. You're just wearing a mask. Oh, nice costume. You know, I'm just like, ah, 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 you're funny show. You're funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always abused by stuff like that. Cause it, when you, it's especially when it's filmmakers who are, kind of quietly acknowledging that they're making a movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's almost like kind of like a wink at the camera. It's like, yeah, we know this is a movie. <laughs> so the next award is WTH. What the henchin for the craziest moment. I will admit my candidate is weirdly subdued compared to most of these, but I guess I've, I guess I'm getting common writer Stockholm syndrome. I'm becoming less and less surprised by what the show throws at me now. <laughs> but what did you have? Um, I mean, we, we mentioned it earlier when we were talking about this episode, but, um, <laughs> shocker, shocker TV, <laughs> shocker now on television, <laughs> <laughs> they hijack the tv settings and you can tell the like because in within the universe they're supposed to be communicating through the television like like he actually like ambassador hell actually heard what taki said and is responding to it on the tv but it's like how how does that work we we didn't have smart tvs and stuff in the 70s <laughs> this is not a thing and so it was just like it was such a goofy saturday morning style thing to do and i was just like mm-hmm. it was just it was great it, it ha- and i loved it although it it did happen in the mysterians in the mid 50s i mean the, the the concept of communicating through a television or through through a screen is not new like that's that is a thing that existed but it was just like it was funny oh, because yeah. this is supposedly set in a time period you know yeah. in it that the that the show was filmed in and how is and they're not it wasn't a tv that they built this was they just hijacked a television and i wonder how many other people watching the tv at the same time (laughs) also saw the same thing (laughs) they're sitting there i don't know what was on at that time i'm just imagining like everyone's sitting there watching i don't know the sumo wrestling championships and they're like huh who's this guy It reminds me of the Jeff Foxworthy joke from years and years ago that I just remember because it, it, my parents loved it. But uh, it was like, it's the president's on. He's on every <laughs> channel. We're going to miss Flipper. <laughs> That's a good one. Like, but this Shocker's does beg. On. He's on every channel. <laughs> well, this does beg of one very important question, Travis. Would you watch a shocker reality series? <laughs> just what, what is it like? Uh, <laughs> like fear factor that just you know, see how close the buzzsaw can get to you before you chicken out. <laughs> <laughs> or just like, it's just a camera crew following 
you know, following whoever's in charge of Shocker at that time just to see the daily goings on about Shocker. You know, this is what Shocker does every day. You know? Instead of cops, it's Shocker. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do? What you gonna do when Common Rider comes for you? <laughs> You get to see how the shocker goons train and you're just sitting there dumbfounded because you can't understand a single word they're saying. It's just eh, er, eh. No, it just it just needs to be undercover boss and like like Ambassador <laughs> Hell or 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 like uh Dr. Shinigami goes undercover. <laughs> so, no, it would have to be uh Commander what what was the 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 Nazi guy? Oh, uh, Soul. Zol, Commander Zol, because he's a master of disguise anyway. He doesn't even need an eye patch. He just takes right. the eye patch off and just walks around. <laughs> so, how do you feel about Commander Zol? <laughs> do you think <laughs> he's? Eh, a... I hate that guy. <laughs> like, do you think he's a fair boss? Does he give <laughs> you Wolfman vibes? <laughs> <laughs> Eh, I'm not even sure that eye patch is real. Eh. <laughs> eh, uh, yeah, anyway, uh, mine, like I said, is remarkably subdued by comparison. I should have gone with the TV one, to be honest. But, <laughs> uh, but it was, it was more just a really. That's what you're gonna tell this child? Because there's a scene. Was it a Goro? Was it a Goro? No, I'm trying to remember. It was, uh, it was the younger brother of the woman who was kidnapped. Yeah, that's who it was. And he walks right up to this child, maybe 10 years old, crying because his big sister has been kidnapped by the bad guys. And he said, and Tachibana says that he needs to, that if Kamen Rider saw him crying, he would laugh at him. It's, it's such a, like, what are you doing? You just, you're ruining this poor child. Let him cry, okay? It's okay to cry if your little if your big sister gets kidnapped by the bad guys. It's just it don't ruin don't ruin his hero. What are you doing? You're, you're weaponizing common right like that. You, you jerk. It's such a <laughs> toxic masculine thing to be like, you know, it's like don't don't cry. You shouldn't cry. It's like common rider would laugh at you for crying because you're crying right now. It's like he's like eight years old and his sister's kidnapped if there's a time to cry now would be it yeah i just thought it was, i just like jerk move tachibana jerk yeah, move. i i lost a little <laughs> respect from for tachibana in that scene but i also yeah, know it's, it of, it's of its era yeah it is it is and of its culture as well so mm-hmm Anyway, it's now it's time for Minute to Henshin It! This is the segment where we give our final thoughts on whatever we've covered this week in one minute or less. Would you mind if I went first this week, Travis? No, sure. Go for it. All right. On my mark, get set, go. So... I hinted at it a little bit earlier. Both of these episodes were really fun. I'm just glad that we're delving into other tropes at this point, using other conventions. You know, Gamera Syndrome and all that fun stuff. Shocker Commander knows everything conveniently. Although I have to say, even though most of your awards 
well, all of your awards came from the first episode. I think I like the second episode more. And I think I like the second episode more just because of how weird it was with these other basically genres of show just coming in and taking over <laughs> you know the salaryman comedy the spy show that comes in although i have to admit my favorite part of the spy show segment is just those suits are just so dang good so dang good i want that white suit i would wear that every day to work i'm just saying and i'll be the snazziest guy there 56 seconds booyah that's that's quick for me all right travis are you ready yes okay on your mark get set common writer go <laughs> uh yeah these these episodes were a lot of fun and i did enjoy both of them I, even though all of my awards came from the one it just was a happy accident because i did enjoy the second one a lot i i think like you that them mixing it up and throwing in these side characters and focusing a lot a lot on those side characters uh is something that just kind of adds a breath of fresh air to the show that could become very stagnant so um i like when they do things like that to mix it up so so both episodes were a lot of good well dang that was about 35 aren't you awesome yeah and with that, we're going to close out this episode by saying thank you for listening to The Henshin Men, a tokusatsu appreciation podcast. You can find links to all of our social media in the description of this episode. You can listen to more of me on the Kaiju Weekly podcast and listen to more of Nathan on the Monster Island Film Vault and the Power Trip podcast, which is part of the Kaiju Ramen podcasting network. You can find out more about Kaiju Ramen and the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network at kaijuramenmedia.com. If you found some enjoyment from this podcast, consider giving us a five-star rating on iTunes, Podchaser, and Spotify. And until next time, what are we going to say, Nathan? With all these crucifixions, people are going to get henshin blisters. This podcast is part of the Kaiju Ramen Podcasting Network and is copyright 2022 Kaiju Ramen Media, LLC.